Welcome to Sitting Sportside. I'm your host, Drew, joined today by my co-host, Peyton, where we are going to look at the Panthers' outlook for Sunday, give you a college preview, and set you up with some best bets for the weekend. A little background about myself. Uh, as a sports fan, I've been a Carolina Panthers fan, Carolina Tar Heel fan, uh, since I kind of grew up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Um I played sports kind of growing up in, in high school, played tennis competitively, never uh, kind of got into uh, college sports or anything like that. Um, really got, when I got to college, I started, that's when gambling kind of took over, uh, recreational gambling, um, and really got my feet wet uh, when it came to horse betting, uh, rode American Pharaoh all the way to a triple crown, and uh, kind of been hooked on gambling ever since. Um, overall, the outlook of Carolina sports is pretty bleak uh, when it comes to our professional teams, both the Hornets and the Panthers blow. Uh, the only saving grace that we have anymore these days is the Hurricanes, and they can't get it done in the playoffs, it seems. Um, you know, I'd like to see Matt Rule getting fired at the end of the season. That's really my only prediction for the Panthers when it comes to this season. Um, it's playoffs are bust, but I think uh, the way it's already started these first two weeks, I think Matt Rule's gone. Uh, definitely agree with you on that, Drew. Uh, Matt Rule is not looking good. Um, but yeah, I'm Drew's co-host on the podcast. My name's Peyton. A uh, little intro about myself. I grew up playing sports all throughout high school, uh, middle school, even when I was little. Main sports I played were baseball and basketball. And then like most people, when they get to college and find out that they're not D1 bound, you kind of try to figure out uh, how to fill that void of what sports to play. And uh, kind of fell into disc golf and normal golf and uh went to school in the charlotte area and that's actually how i met drew is going to school in charlotte and i guess you could call me a bandwagon fan but my first real year of cheering for the panthers was when we made our super bowl run but sticking with them even though uh, times have been tough and we're having to deal with matt rule yeah that's yeah matt, matt rule is just really the, the the just the pity of everybody when it comes to being a panthers fan um, you know, we, there was a lot of hype when he got hired, of course, but the last three years have just been nothing but disappointment, really. Um, you know, he came in with a lot of, a lot of hype, came, brought up nothing but college coaches, no NFL experience. And, and, you know, paid it, it really seems like the, the lack of NFL experience in the, on the coaching staff for the Panthers is, is really starting to show. Um, it's just bad. just watching it, watching it week in and week out. Um, and hopefully they can get things turned around here. Yeah, it's just like a good old boys club. It's like they he the people that he puts around him are people that he just enjoys their company and not running it like a business. Like we have to get stuff done and it's just it's ridiculous. And like when you look at the stats of like Matt Rule versus Ron Rivera, and there Matt Rule has played thirty five games for the Panthers so far and he has a two point eight six win rate. Like the that's just unacceptable. And to put it in perspective, Ron Rivera at that point uh had a four hundred win rate. Like it's just 14 wins, 21 losses for Rivera. And then for Matt Rule, it's 10 wins, 25 losses. And at this point, it's just unacceptable. Like the, in the NFL, you can't expect to be mediocre. Like this isn't like baseball where you play 161 games and you can just kind of coast and uh, make a profit just because you're in the AL East looking at you, Orioles. But NFL, like we need results bad. And just the first two weeks of the season have just been absolutely horrendous to watch as a Panthers fan. Yeah, I mean, it it's really been horrendous, and I feel like we could spend multiple hours talking about the pain and suffering, but I think we all knew the season was kind of over when Ben McAdoo was hired as the offensive coordinator. Um, 
pretty much just a stagnant, dead coach as far as it was considered a career. Kind of, this is his revival, and uh, there's no reviving of uh, Ben McAdoo's career, um, at least through these first two weeks. The offense has been uh, just traditional, nothing, nothing surprising, not using any of the weapons and none of the speed, but... Uh, enough about Matt Rule. I, like I said, we could get on this all day. I think we should at least give a little outlook here towards a week three. We got a three-game homestand coming up here, Pate. We've got the Saints on deck this week at a 425 game. Now, the Panthers don't get a lot of those 425 games, but man, is that going to set up for a great afternoon? Now, we got the Saints coming to town. They're favored at minus three right now via Bavada, and the over-under is at 40 and a half. Uh, Jameis is coming in. He's got that injured back and, uh, they are expecting Alva Kamara to play. So I don't know, Pete, what do you think about this game? What do you think the Panthers chances are? Uh, I think the Panthers chances are honestly high, but maybe I just have copium with that. Uh, I think if Jameis can actually give the Panthers their first turnover this season, that would be amazing. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a run heavy game though, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and like you mentioned, Panthers D has not produced a single turnover yet this season. Frankie Louvu let one slip right through his fingertips last week against Danny Dimes that really could have probably turned the, turned around the game for us, but uh, for how well the defense has been playing relatively to the offense's performance, I think we definitely need to get some some turnovers there. Now, the, the bright side for the Panthers, I think, coming into this game is the Saints defense that usually is, you know, fast off the line, only has one recorded sack this year after a game against Atlanta and Tampa Bay. And of course, Tampa Bay was missing three of their offensive linemen. So I think that at least gives the Panthers um, a little bit of something to, to rest on as the offensive line hasn't looked great all season. Um, but, you know, eh, I keep watching these press conferences this week, Peyton, and and Baker is Baker Bakefield sitting there in his press conference saying that nobody's panicking and and it helps that we've only lost two games by five points. Um, I just don't know if that's the right. I, I mean, it's good that they're not panicking, I guess, but those game both of those games were winnable. Um, I guess I I would like them to be a little bit upset. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, Drew, I totally agree with you. Like, it just seems like the games that we lost, like, yeah, they were close, but it's not like we're playing like the Bills or the Ravens, like some of these elite teams. We're playing the Browns and the Giants, and we have to put up with mediocre football. And and it's not even the Browns with the quarterback. It's it's Jacoby Brisket back there, <laughs> and he he doesn't want to pass the ball. They didn't want to stack the box. At least they made the adaptations, and Saquon only ripped off one 15-yard run uh, last week, but. Yeah, the, I mean, Phil Snow's defense has definitely got to come up more, uh, get some stops and get some turnovers. We got to give this offense momentum um, and just challenge the play calling because it, it's been boring. Uh, Peyton, if you had to take a pick here, I'm avoiding this game like the plague this week. Um, it, it's just I don't know what to expect from the Panthers. Uh, the, the over under being 40 and a half, that, that seems low for an NFL game. But again, the Panthers haven't scored more than 20 points this season. Uh, and when, when the, when the opposing team scores more than 17, we all know the stat Matt rule is one in 25 when they score more than 16. So I think we're going to tack this up to another L at the end of the day, regardless of what the final score is. Um, and Panthers are going to be staring zero and three at the face, but if they lose Peyton is Matt rule in danger this week, or are we going to look at a week three firing? 
Honestly, Drew, I feel like we're not going to see a week three firing. I think that the Panthers are complacent with the way that they're acting. I mean, it shows in the way that Baker Mayfield was talking in his press conference. Uh, you kind of touched on it. He's Nobody's panicking. I feel like there should be a hot seat. How do you go from being a Super Bowl contender with an MVP quarterback to somebody that's just satisfied with being, oh, we were within five points of the Giants? Like David just... Tepper, Peyton, that's who. He just loves mediocrity, I guess. That's how you become the second richest owner in the league, by being mediocre. But my personal take on this game, I think that Panthers are completely satisfied with not scoring any points, and the game has multiple turnovers, looks completely sloppy, uh, but Jameis Winston ends up being that that guy and has uh, three touchdown passes. That's my prediction. Oh, Pate's got Jameis being that guy. So you're saying Jameis is a guy. That's 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 bold, I got to say. That's, that's definitely a, a hot take. Um, I mean, he's certainly a guy, but I don't know if he's the guy. We'll see. But I, I mean, 30 for 30 went was a great season to watch. Now, looking ahead, uh, before we get into Sunday, we've got a college football slate that is quite juicy with some great games. But most importantly here, the kind of the game of the week that everybody is coveting is, of course, number 11, Tennessee versus number 20, Florida in Tennessee. I heard Nyland's going to be checkered out, I, I believe is is the case. And Tennessee's favored by 10 and a half with an over under of 62. I mean, Pete, I, I know you're a diehard. I know you're a diehard Tennessee fan. What what are the vibes among T Tennessee fans right now? Um, and what's your outlook on the game here? I mean, honestly, I, it's been 14 years of just pent up frustration that's about to be unleashed on the Florida Gators this weekend. And the vibes of this game, game day's coming to town. Camping out in front of Ayers Hall, heard reports of kids literally taking sleeping bags and spending the night in front of Ayers Hall just to get a spot in front of game day. And it's at the time of recording Wednesday or Thursday. Like, that's just ridiculous. But super pumped to be just like the atmosphere is going to be amazing in Knoxville. Completely sold out. Tickets are so high that me as a diehard Tennessee fan, I'm having to make this podcast to potentially be able to afford it next time they come because feels like 98. Feels like 98 after a 3-0 start against the Akron Zips, the Pittsburgh Panthers, and uh, who was that last game against? Was uh, that Richmond? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See what I'm getting at, Pate, here is is they played nobody, and, and the one time they played somebody with, with anything, it, it ended up going to OT. I, I don't know how I feel about the 10.5 point spread. Um, I, I like the over-under. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And, and what really concerns me most, though, about Tennessee is is the run defense. They, they gave up a lot of run yards. They gave up about 141 rush yards versus Pitt, um, even though they've only allowed 83.6 yards per game. I, I, it's tough to look at a, a per-game stats here, at kind of breaking it down. Where UF has averaged 212 rush yards per game, I think it's going to all come down to who can stop the run. Of course, Tennessee's offense is much more well-rounded. Um, Anthony Richardson has zero passing touchdowns so far this season with four interceptions. Um, but they, they are a weapon when it comes to moving the ball. Uh, they definitely don't have a problem moving the ball. But I think a big factor that, I mean, obviously a lot of people aren't discrediting Neyland and how loud it's going to be. But I don't think these kids have experienced how loud it truly is going to be in Neyland. Like, I don't think that they're going to be able to efficiently run their offense. They, I mean, they went down to where? South Florida? and Or South Florida came to them and they barely squeaked out a win? It's... Florida has played Utah and Kentucky and has split between the two of them. And I really don't think that Utah is as 
big of a threat as what people are talking about. So their real game was Kentucky, and they lost by 10 points. So I don't think that they're going to be able to march down and take on not only the Tennessee's 11, but also the 110,000 people that are in the stands. All right, all right. I I, I can get behind 110,000 in the stands. Uh, I, I went to Carolina. You know, we can only fit like 60,000 in the stands, and even though Mitch was there during my years, it, it was never close to sold out crowds. Uh, don't don't quite know football like when it comes to the fans. But what I do know is this game is all going to be centered on what Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker can do, Peyton. I mean, I know you've been excited. I know Tennessee fans have been excited. This guy, he looks like the real deal. And I mean, the question I'm going to pose here is. Can Hendon Hooker rise to Heisman conversations with a strong performance in this game? Honestly, Drew, I really think that he has a good chance of being in uh, Heisman conversations. But the problem for him in this game is his number one uh, weapon, Cedric Tillman, uh, took a dirty, dirty shot in the Akron game. And his lower back has been told as day to day. So I don't know if he's just going to be used as a decoy or if he's actually day to day. But it, not having Cedric Tillman is going to be not ideal for him and Hooker. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well... I mean, I, I, I'm not doing too much betting on this game. Uh, I, I'm kind of avoiding it. I'll definitely be tuning in. I like Florida to probably cover um, if if I'm going to take one, just because I think 10.5 points is a lot. And, you know, I, I've watched Tennessee football, and they, they like to disappoint in big spots. So I think they I think Tennessee wins this game by a touchdown um, in, in a game that's, that's going to be quite an enjoyable watching experience. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth fight. I think that no matter if Tennessee's 25th and Florida's number one or vice versa, that it's going to be a dogfight no matter what. Like, it's just that Florida always plays Tennessee tough, and Tennessee tries to play Florida tough. It has been extremely one-sided in the last couple of years, but I think this is Tennessee's year to, like, make a statement that we're back. Tennessee is back as decreed by Peyton on this first episode of Sitting Sportsside, Tennessee is back, and it is feeling like 98, folks. Um, I mean, all this conversation about college football has got me fired up, Peyton, for another game on the slate this weekend. My UNC Tar Heels are welcoming in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to Chapel Hill, and, I mean, it's going to be an explosive game. You've got Drake May as quarterback leading the Carolina leading Carolina with already 11 passing touchdowns this season, which is good for number two in the nation. Now, the problem with the the Carolina Tar Heels is that defense, though. Uh, They rank 121st out of 130 FBS schools. And my bet bet for the weekend here is uh, Bovada's got UNC versus Notre Dame over under 55. I'm all over the over here today. Josh Downs coming back for the Heels. Drake May all day. Let's go score some points um, and hopefully get the win, but definitely going over 55 and a half. So are you saying Mac is back? Is that right here? I mean, Mac has been back. And, and if there's anything that's buzzing like Carolina around Carolina, it's it's definitely the final four team uh, that's returning all of their players except for Brady Manick. But Mac definitely has a buzz around town. He's got the football team playing great. He's got Gene Chizik back on defense, and and they're going to get things turned around, but Mac is back, and, and so is Carolina football. We're, we're a two-sport school now. Two-sport school. I like that. I like that. Throwing shade at the baseball. 
All right. Um, Pete, what, what you liking this weekend? Look in here. Uh, I gave a pick. What, what you got for us? We'll do it. We'll do a little head to head. You know, we'll give four or five picks and, and kind of see who who stacks up the best at the end of the week. Four or five picks. I got to pull up a slate. Uh, let's see. I I will say that I don't think that the Panthers game is going to go over. I think the Panthers game between the Saints is definitely going to be an under. But I think that it's going to be completely one side. I would even take Jameis Winston throwing at least two touchdown passes. Uh, I don't even know if that's a line on Bravado right now, but for the Tennessee yeah, it, game, it, it is there for sure. Um, you know, I I definitely agree. I don't know what that Carolina offense can do. I think under sounds like a safe bet there. I got you down for it. What what you got on Tennessee? What you feeling there? I would definitely taking Tennessee to cover, and I'm taking the over in that game as well. I think it's going to be a slugfest. Slugfest and an over. We got a little twofer there going on 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 Saturday afternoon. I I can respect that. Um, you know, another game. Let's jump over to some some NFL games here. We've got a, a great slate of games on Sunday into Monday. Looking here, the Monday night game is a game I love purely for one reason and one reason alone, Peyton, and that is color rush jerseys. The Giants are gonna white out MetLife. They're wearing all white. Saquon played at Penn State. You know what? Saquon's going for 100-plus yards this week. Uh, he's wearing all white. The stadium's whited out. He's from Penn State. There's no other reasoning other than the fact that Saquon loves the color white. And he loves wearing white. The Giants look good in white. The stadium's going to be whited out. And the Giants are going to win the game. They're going to cover a point and a half. Take it all. Let's go, Giants. Monday night, white out. I mean, they always said that, uh, like, white cleats make you look like you're running faster. So hopefully uh, Saquon buys into that, too. Yeah, I mean, they just need Kenny Galladay to play more than two snaps and, you know, be the, be the wide receiver that they paid all that money for. But, hey, the Giants lost. They lost Leonard Williams versus Carolina. He's probably going to miss the game next week, this week. But the two edge rushers, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojalar, they are looking to be probable for this game, which is a huge get for that Giants defense, which we watched it last week. Pretty much hold the Panthers defense offense in check. Um, I, I like what the Giants are doing. I like that they're rebuilding, even though they have a quarterback in Daniel Jones that is quite a bum. I like how they're I love their coach, Brian Dable. He's aggressive. And, and that's what you want to see, um, especially from a fan of a franchise that is not aggressive and not going anywhere. I totally agree with that. Being aggressive, like you only get so many games in the NFL to be a coach. You might as well make a statement and not just sit back and be passive unless you're, I guess you're Matt rule, but that's. Uh, Okay. I know we keep talking about Matt rule, but every time they pan to him on the sidelines, he just has the stupidest fucking face in the world. And it's so infuriating that your coach Watching him, he just looks clueless and so lost. And when you look at Brian Dable on the uh, at the Giants, he looks like he knows what he wants. He's got a game plan, and he's executing that game plan. Uh, it, it's just, you know, fire Matt Rule. That's, that's all I can say about that game. Um, one last point here on that Monday night game. Let's not forget that Cooper Rush is still the quarterback of the Dallas Cowgirls. Um and Jerry Jones was on radio today talking about a QB battle between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott, the, the same quarterback they paid like $200 million to. Jerry Jones is a freaking loon, uh, but Cooper Rush is the quarterback. Giants win wide out. Let's go. 
I mean, Cooper Rush did look all right, but I don't think there should be a quarterback battle. That's just a little over the top. I guess he's trying to... I mean, you know Jerry Jones. He's just going to say anything to get the media's attention. Like, it doesn't matter if the Cowboys are 0-12. They're going to get media attention. Like, America's team, baby. America's team, I swear. that Even though they haven't won anything in two decades. But, hey, America's team. Woo! <laughs> All right. Um, I got a couple more picks here for, for looking at the NFL games. Uh, Pate, I got Bills versus Dolphins in Miami. Bills are a six-point favorite, and the over is 52-and-a-half. Um, I mean, that Dolphins-Raven games last week was a treat to watch. I personally had Dolphins money line at, at plus money, um, so it was a super treat to watch. Watching Tyreek drop two touchdowns in the, in the fourth quarter, watching Tua throw the ball right-handed really helped me mentally understand that he's maybe not that bad of a quarterback. Um but this game is all about the offense. I know the Bills' defense has looked good. Um, my question is, can they stop Jer- Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill for four quarters? And I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a point blowout, 52-and-a-half as the over. That's the pick. We're going over. And we're also riding Bills Mafia just to win the game, of course, uh, just for good vibes. Um, but... Man, that that Bills team is fun to watch, and so is Miami. It's it's definitely weird to see that Tua throwing right-handed with that flip video. I know what you're talking about. I saw it on Twitter as well. But it's, I mean, we all knew that Tua was a good quarterback. He was a quarterback at Alabama. He's got the experience. But just something about that last game is just like the turning point of his career where people start realizing that like Tua is a force to be reckoned with. Like he should not just be the quarterback of Alabama. He's now Tua, the Miami Dolphins quarterback. Like he, this is the game that makes him like, okay, he's made it to the NFL. He's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I think this is this is gonna be Tua's coming out party this entire season. I think Mike McDaniel is going to unlock magical things, but that's also the benefit of having a Jalen Waddle and a Tyree Kill on your team, and also being Tua. You know, there's a lot of speed on that team, and and speed gives an advantage in the NFL, and Mike McDaniel has shown he knows how to use speed. He knows how to use it creatively. Um, and he's also not afraid to be aggressive. Peyton, week one, fourth and seven. What does Miami Dolphins do? They go for it and they throw a touchdown to Tyreek Hill on fourth and seven from their from the forty from the other team's forty yard line. That's aggressive coaching. That's believing in your guys. Something again, our coach Matt Rule does not do. He doesn't have any belief in his guys. Um, but yeah, that Dolphins team again, a great head coach. Great coaching staff, great players, and it's a fun product to watch. Uh, so I, I'm taking Bills over there. Let's go points. Um, both teams rank top five offensively looking at their points per game, their yards per game, and their yards per play. I know we're only two two weeks into the season, but you got to look at what the data is telling you, and the data is telling you offense is coming. Definitely the over, 100%. All right. I think the last game I got here is it's going to be a little revenge game for me. Uh, Ravens traveling up north to New England. Uh, Ravens minus three. Uh, you know, we just talked about the Dolphins. We, now we're going to get to the Ravens here. I think the Ravens are going to my. This is purely based on Mac Jones and that Patriots offense cannot pass the ball 
Uh, they've got no wide receivers. Devontae Parker is the only receiver they got. And, you know, he's maybe good for a couple, but that is the Baltimore Ravens' weakness is the pass defense. Fortunately, the Patriots are at a good passing. I think Ravens cover easily. This is going to be a harder defense for Lamar to, to take on um, compared to any of the two defenses he's seen so far this season. Um, but they're going to be fired up. That that Ravens defense is going to be mad that they gave up so they gave up that lead last week. Uh, Harbaugh's going to coach his guys up. He's going to have them ready to play, and it's a big week. Whenever you're playing Belichick, it always means more. Ravens minus three, book it. I'm pretty confident about that, huh? I, I mean, you got to be. I, I I mean, you look at what the Patriots are doing so far this season. Looking questionable. Yeah, they beat the Steelers last week, uh, but. I mean, it's the Steelers with Mitch Trubisky. Of course, 10 God represent UNC, but that offense looks bad. I, I just don't have any belief in the Patriots system right now. I'm not – I don't know if it's Mac Jones, but that offense is just bad to watch. Uh, I think j losing James White definitely hurt them. Uh, Ravens, more weapons, more to play for, means more. Also got to avenge themselves. Otherwise, Lamar Jackson is leaving this offseason. Yeah, definitely something to think about how the Ravens have tied for the fourth mount, fourth most points in the league, whereas the Patriots are literally tied for 29th uh, this year. Uh, they just, Mac, I don't know if it's that Belichick doesn't trust Mac Jones to throw or if it's just strictly because they don't have any weapons for him to throw that they're just like, screw it, we're only running. But it's it's definitely, I feel like, going to be a slugfest. It's going to look like you're watching like 1970s football where everybody's just like stacking the box and just brute forcing into each other. Uh, do you know what the forecast is going to be? Is it going to be ridiculously cold or is it not cold enough yet? Uh, I don't think it's going to be too cold up in New England yet. Um, let's see here. I mean, it doesn't even matter because they're not going to throw the ball. So it's regardless. It's a 1 p.m. game. It looks like it's going to be about 60s. Nothing nothing too crazy. Might Maybe a little bit lower, but we're, we're still early in the football season here. Patriots aren't getting uh, – it's not too cold up there yet, but – yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's something that we should probably look to question is, is Mac Jones the guy for the Patriots moving forward? He's only in his second season, of course, but so far this year, things are not looking great for that offense in terms of moving the ball. No, not at all. And, I mean, obviously it's not early enough to say tank for a quarterback, but I don't even know if they were to tank for a quarterback, what quarterback would Belichick go after? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point. There's it's what kind of system is Belichick looking to run and it it doesn't appear, you know, he had Cam Newton on the roster last year. They cut him before the season even started because, you know, he lost his starting job, but um it doesn't seem like Belichick wants to run a scramble quarterback. He he wants a pocket passer. He wants somebody that's going to be able to tear defenses apart with their eyes, being able to read the defense. Um, and, and I guess we're going to have to wait and see if that's what Mac Jones is. Uh, you know, there, there were three quarterbacks at Alabama all at one time. They were Jalen Hurts, Tua, and then Mac Jones. We've seen Jalen Hurts really come into his own this season. I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk Bama quarterbacks, uh, he's been electric. Of course, Tua, we already touched on that a little bit, is really starting to show out um, and come into his own. Again, this is a big prove-it season for Tua. Mac Jones, he's only in his second year. He he's got time, and I think it would really help that system if if he got a wide receiver. Um, 
it's just so surprising at every offseason that the Patriots don't make any moves uh, to, to bring in a big wide receiver name. And it doesn't help. Didn't uh, the Patriots lose their offensive coordinator from last year, too? Like he's in a completely new system. Yeah, that that is that is a great point. Uh, McDaniels, Josh McDaniels is now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, which, you know, looking questionable as well, which is kind of surprising. And so Mac Jones is lose, learning a whole new offensive system. Uh, Belichick's got a new offensive coordinator again, and it, it, maybe it's some learning pains again. It's only week two, but they did spend a lot of time in the preseason together, you know, getting things done. You thought it would look a little bit better. There's just so much faith in a Belichick coach team that they're going to be good. Um, it, it's just surprising that the Patriots are not, their defense is still lights out. It, it's a great defense. Uh, but I, I just don't know if the second year Mac Jones is going to be like the second year Tom Brady leading them back to a Super Bowl. That defense is certainly not good enough to to win a Super Bowl. And Mac Jones is nowhere near good enough to win a Super Bowl um, like Brady was those all those years ago. Well, what do you think about this, Drew? Do you think that since the Ravens have such a terrible secondary that Belichick opens up the playbook and they're saying like, hey, we're going to pass like even w- without their weapons? I think if this is a game to go pass happy for the Patriots, if they have faith in Mac Jones, they've got to pass the ball. The Ravens give up the most pass yards. They've got three of their backs are all injured are injured right now. They're, they signed Daryl Worley off the streets last week. I'm pretty sure to, to come out and play, um, you know, shout out Carolina for drafting Daryl Worley, but yeah, he was a bust, a, a bust. And he got signed off the streets last week by the Ravens because they're, they're in bad shape. They got injuries. Um, but why do the Ravens have so many injuries? It seems like year in and year out early in the year, Ravens are losing key players to injuries. It's, it's just quite concerning. I would say as a rape to be a Ravens fan, um, how can you sustain player health? How can you have a sustainable season if you can't keep players healthy and man, they get some, they get some players knocked out. Yeah. I, maybe it's something, maybe it's the, the crabs in Boston. I don't know. It causes them to cramp up. I don't know. It, or in Maryland, excuse me, not Boston. That's a different conversation. <laughs> the Maryland crabs causing the yeah. cramp, causing too much, too much butter. Okay. Too much butter, getting them slow, not not eating enough bananas. You know, maybe that's why the Miami Dolphins down in Florida are looking good, is because they have potassium in their diet. I don't know. Okay, okay, I can get behind that. And I mean, Miami is a much much better place to be than Baltimore. Like, come on. You got to be much happier trading in Miami, living in Miami, no state income tax. And then and you got Maryland like ugh. Yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, regardless. All right, Pete, what you got? You got any more games for the week? Are you any other games that you're liking right now? I mean, not to just like completely switch it up into change sports altogether, but the Yankees are playing the Red Sox in a pretty important series right now. Oh, we're going to baseball. I mean, you know, I, I know you know that I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I'm keeping track of the the Aaron Judge saga. I think it's laughable that the Yankees didn't pay him last season. Um, I think I was watching First Take with Stephen A. And Stephen A. was talking about how Aaron Judge is going to be a New York Met next season. And I think there would be nothing funnier than to see Aaron Judge wear the New York Mets jersey as a pretty casual baseball fan. Um, I think Yankees Yankee fans' heads would explode. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, as a Yankees fan, my head would definitely explode to see him in that god awful blue, <laughs> the wrong color blue. But it, 
it's honestly frustrating, but I guess it's expected because as a Yankees like fan, you just kind of assume that there's like money isn't an option. And it's just like, oh, we didn't sign at the beginning of this season because we can definitely sign him after. But now that he's on pace to set the record for the most home runs in a single season, he's going to ask for the biggest contract there ever was in the history of baseball. And I guess it's on the front office to decide whether or not they want to give him that or not. Is he worth it? I mean... I guess this is a good podcast to talk about my background. I have a background in like analytics. So like looking at the numbers, I would say he is worth it. He's single-handedly carrying the Yankees through these games. Like he's, I think I would have to fact check it, but I think he's 80% of all the Yankees like runs, whether it's like being the person scored or hitting the person in or just strictly hitting a home run. And like, he's the Yankees offense. Like they, they need him. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Two nights ago, they were down nine or down nine to five now, nine to three, uh, bottom of the ninth judge Jackson's 60 out 60th out of the park. Then the Yankees, the fans are fired up. The team's fired up. They load the bases and they get a walk off grand slam. I mean, you know, it, it all starts with Aaron judge getting that 60th home run. The crowd goes crazy. I mean, Yankees fans, they show up. That's one thing. You know that that you can say about Yankees fans. That stadium is almost always full, um, unlike every other stadium in the league. But yeah, I mean he he's electric to watch. Every time he every time he steps up to to the to the plate, you gotta watch him. And now we're chasing sixty two. Um, but funny, how are you planning to watch the game tomorrow night, Pate? Speaking of Red Sox Yankees, uh, do you got Apple TV? Uh, man yeah uh it's quite difficult to watch games as a mlb fan i don't know like i don't have all the answers to fix it but it it sure doesn't seem right to spend like uh 150 bucks on top of your cable package just to be able to watch the games so uh don't come after me u.s government but probably be watching it on sites that you wouldn't appreciate oh little unappreciative government sites i mean you know uh i get what apple's doing buying sports buying the rights to sports it's going to make people buy Apple TV, but I, I just don't know if it's long-term sustainability. I, I guess for baseball, it's the only thing that is probably sustainable with 162 games. I imagine the NBA and the NHL will probably follow suit. You can't have TV networks streaming your games every night, showing your games every night. People just don't care that much um, to watch 162 games on TV outside of the diehard fans. So I think, I think baseball basketball and NHL are all going to see these streaming services striking up new deals. Um, I'm personally excited about it for NHL. I, I hope I'll be able to watch more games. Um, but yeah, for baseball, it, it kind of sucks, especially, especially for a, a Red Sox Yankees series. Like that just doesn't even feel right. That, that feels like it deserves to be on ESPN. Um, and I'm surprised the major league baseball doesn't have some way to flex it. And I'll tell you, Drew, uh, like, Think about Thursday night football switching to Amazon TV or Amazon Prime, rather. The biggest bar, so being here in Chapel Hill, the biggest bar to watch sports is Four Corners. And Four Corners had to buy all new TVs because they literally did not have the capability to stream that. And I feel like it's just going to cause these, like, not necessarily frustrations. I feel like for the small, the seasons that have smaller amounts of games, so like NHL, NFL, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for baseball to constantly feel like you have to have this subscription model where it's like for all 161 games, it it just doesn't seem fair to the fans. Like it just is a disservice to the fans. And like think about the the market that's outside the United States. Like how what is it like for people in South American countries to watch baseball and Central America? Like I 
that would be interesting to look into because I feel like it's kind of gating a large amount of the fans. Uh, wait, is it now, is it gating it or is it giving them better access though? Is Apple TV is that, I guess that would have to be something we have to look into is does Apple TV more accessible to, to foreign nations, to foreign fans? Is it easier to grow the game to buy an Apple TV than it is to stream it illegally or to buy a you can't buy cable in Central America or you can't buy American cable in Europe. So I guess in that side, maybe we see fandoms rise. But uh, again, I I don't like it. And I think it's funny, especially when I don't know if you saw this today, kind of circular circulating around on Twitter. But uh, I think the Yankees announcer, Michael Kay, there's talks that they're going to be possibly doing a temporary trade so that he can go announce on Apple TV for this series, since it's so pivotal that Aaron Judge might break the record. Um which I think is just hilarious to, that they're like trying to trade announcers to get the Yankees announcer on Apple TV where, cause Apple TV is just sending some ragtag crew in. Yeah. I mean, I guess the days of being like a sports broadcast being on your local network are kind of over, but like whenever they show clips of like the 1970s or even in our parents' generation, it's always like the same voice for that team. And it feels like home, like it's built part of the culture. And now it's like where announcers are constantly changing you can't have like that favorite announcer that's like coming into your home and being a part of your like viewing experience like i can remember the best example that i have of that is when harold reynolds was on mlb network it was like every morning or every night when i'd watch their uh, quick pitch where it would just be like the highlights of baseball it felt like his coverage was like coming into your home to like talk to you about sports and then now it's it doesn't feel like that it's like who who why am i listening to this person talk to me about sports like i why are they credible i Personally, I like the culture that having like a dedicated broadcaster has. And that's one of my concerns about stuff being on like Apple TV or Amazon Prime, et cetera, is who who are these broadcasters that we're bringing in? No, I think that's a great point. The local markets, you know, kind of getting used to somebody's call and especially in those sports where there's so many games, you kind of want something that feels uh, habitual, traditional. You, you want something that, you know, you want the same voice, you want the same energy and you really want somebody that's invested in the game and, and in the team success, I think is what it all comes down to. Yeah. And like with those local broadcasts, like not saying that the current broadcasters are not in the locker and talking to players, but like the broadcasters that have been calling the games for like the last 30 years or have like one-on-one -on -one relationships with the players and they can like kind of talk to like the culture and the atmosphere of like what's going on in the clubhouse. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more uh, when it comes to, to local broadcasters. I, I think they're important. Um, you know, I love what The Athletic and some of those other uh, networks do as far as local coverage and local reporters. Um, like you said, they, they get invested in the team and they, they get invested with the fans, too, um, and and really help build the fandom up. Yeah, that was definitely a very long winded. Uh, what other games of the week that I'm watching? But uh Definitely Red Sox Yankees big baseball series coming up. And then honestly, the um, sorry, the the Broncos 49ers game. I don't know why I always just like watching Russell Wilson and just not even like necessarily the game or the outcome of the game. Just wanting to see him doing something that I just think is so dumb, like <laughs> getting the boys hype on the sideline, like make sure you call out run pass, run pass. It's just like, OK. All right, Russ, we're going back to like Little League Pee Wee football. No, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like yeah, he sounds like a Pee Wee football player trying to get the, the team hype. You know, it's 
and, and that team looks bad. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Broncos. We can get into it here because they hired a new coach, and he looks almost worse than Matt Rule does, so, th- so that's at least refreshing. Um, however, the ownership group of the that just bought the Broncos, they're not going to sit around. They just paid Russell Wilson over $200 million. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett to be the coach, and he's just not good. The, the decision-making is bad. He looks scared, which is – is shocking to see because he was calling most a lot of the plays over in Green Bay, uh, where he was the offensive coordinator before. Um, but yeah, you don't. De- I definitely thought that that Broncos offense would be much higher flying. What What's the pick there? What, which you, you go in Broncos? No, I'm not going Broncos. Definitely not. Uh, here's a little little stat for you that uh, Jimmy G has a higher passing rating than Russell Wilson this season. I mean, Jimmy G, speak of the speak of Frankenstein, speak of the devil, whatever you want to say. Um, I mean, has anybody ever been happier to see somebody get injured? No, <laughs> probably not. I mean, no, no offense to Trey Lance. Um, nothing, nothing against the guy. But man, Jimmy G, you know what you're going to get. And the, the odds told us it. The uh, Vegas believes it that the 49ers are a better team on paper with Jimmy G as quarterback right now than with Trey Lance. Now that doesn't mean that Trey Lance's ceiling wasn't higher, but yeah, Jimmy G might be the guy to lead the 49ers back to another Super Bowl because that team is, is built to go to another Super Bowl. Um, that line, where is that game at here? I see the line right now as it opened at minus 1.5 for the Broncos, but now it's at plus two for the Giants or 49ers, excuse me. Oh, yeah. So I've got I've got a point and a half on Bavada here for the 49ers and over under 44 and a half. Um, what, what, you, what you leaning? Who's winning? What you, what you got? I really think that the like all the buzz that I see on Twitter, all the buzz that I see on social media is that Jimmy G is back. And I really think that Jimmy G is going to uh, be able to cover for him. I, L- I'm, little revenge season? Little revenge tour. I think, well, just like the way that their fans are talking on social media, it's like everybody wants Jimmy G. Like, you know what? I'm on the Jimmy G bandwagon. I want to see him do well. I want to see him do well enough that he makes Russell Wilson get so angry on the sideline that he aggressively sets his helmet down. Not throws it, sets his helmet down. I like an I like an aggressive uh, I like an aggressive helmet sit down. What I'm really love is an iPad throw. So I'll be watching for those this weekend, especially in the the Tampa Green Bay matchup. That is going to be a wet noodle fight with no wide receivers. Uh, Green Bay only has running backs. Tampa Bay only has running backs. Uh, yeah, and both quarterbacks are going to be frustrated. When you think Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, you're thinking explosive. This is going to be the opposite. It's like a battle of the retirement home, Drew. <laughs> it is a battle of the retirement home. Well, uh, Pate, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate everybody tuning in. This has been Sitting Sportside Week 1. We'll see you guys next week. 